Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Holy shit, oh, yeah, it's James Brown, I like that, what song is that? Man, I don't even know, I just put it on, I just asked for James Brown, we need a James Brown today. Goodness, alright, let's it, rock and roll, man. It's, it's the James Brown song with the, <coughs> ooh, and the, woo! With, with, well, all of them's got that, <laughs> that's it, you said, the, like, that was different. <laughs> uh, that's my point. Alexa off. How about that shit, man? Alexa just love that. I love that. And and, Um, and you know what? You can yell at Alexa, and she doesn't say shit. Did you hear? All you got to do is yes, and it was right on time. And it was off. (laughs) That was beautiful. (laughs) Dude, this has been uh, a fucking nightmare. Yeah, man. Should let's tell the people real quick what what are we doing? Because. you know, we we told you guys on the last week's episode that we were going to have three straight weeks of email episodes. But seeing that these times are tough and the clubs are constantly canceling our dates because of this COVID shit, we have to double down. So what you're listening to right now is the Wednesday episode, but tomorrow, Thursday, you'll get the email episode. So I think what we're going to have to do is uh, double back up again. Put on two condoms. Uh, You'll get a Wednesday episode and then the email episode, which you were supposed to get today. You'll get tomorrow, Thursday. Same thing next week, Wednesday and Thursday. Dude, your hair is getting long, dude. You know, I'm vowing not to cut my shit until uh, I get my body right. So I could have... Chin hairs down to my toes, nigga. This is this, uh, this is your playoffs. This is my playoffs, man. I'm 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 back on my cleanse. Yesterday was day one. Today's day two, and I'm just trying to make this vow and this promise to myself that I'm gonna fucking get there. Uh, and I'm using me looking like a fucking slave as motivation. 
Uh, the moment I get my hair cut, my shit is back. I will have officially escaped to the north. <laughs> so, what are you on that Harriet Tubman cleanse? I'm the Harriet Tubman. <laughs> it's, a, it's you know what's I swear to God, Andy, I'm not lying. You know what I'm watching right now? What? Harriet Tubman. Tubman. Oh, okay. I swear to God. <laughs> um, so there it is. Uh man, I, uh, I, I, you know, we haven't really been had a chance to talk over this last week um, with everything going on, and it's because I've been moving. And thank you for understanding my moving. Uh, Are you officially moved? Is this the new place? No, this I'm in the old place because we still have Wi-Fi here. My Wi-Fi doesn't get hooked up in the new place until Thursday. Yeah, you sound echoey. Yeah, because there's nothing in here. This is it. No furniture. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, your man Steve can clean that up. Uh, but yeah, we are a little. Uh, it sounds like they have a little reverb going on. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's empty. There's a. a I'm I'm officially. Uh, I got all my stuff out here. There's a couple coffee mugs that need to go over to the other place and return uh, the Wi-Fi equipment. But. Uh, yeah, I spent the last week moving, and it's it's a story, and I want to tell you the story, but I don't want to make it real long. But it's 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 a journey. But uh, ended up uh, moving to uh, in Jersey City into a fourth floor walk up, and uh, I paid someone about a thousand dollars to move me upstairs, which I never thought I'd pay that kind of money in my life to be moved. Not not with apartment life, not with a one bedroom, but dude. <laughs> Moving up up to the fourth floor, walk up building. That's a move. I've never. So when you say walk up building, you mean you got to literally walk from the first floor to the fourth floor? Yeah, and it's a brownstone, so you have to walk up to the brownstone in the first place to get to the first floor. And this is in Jersey City. Yeah. How far is that out of New York? What twenty minutes? No, man. It's uh, if I jump on the path, I'm seven minutes outside the city. And to just move to the city, was that big of a difference money-wise? Uh, it wasn't just money. I mean, honestly, uh, I looked at some places on the Lower East Side, uh, which I like. Um, but size is a little different. You get, more, you get a little bit more room. And that's what's happening right now. Everybody is leaving the city to come out to Jersey City. Uh, the, all the areas around that you can get on the path and get to the city just for more space. Because while everybody's in lockdown... I mean, when you're on top of each other like that, it, it, it's, it's grinding. We were able to get a two-bedroom uh, apartment, and uh, that way Tara can have an office. I have a place to store my stuff. It's not as, uh, um, you know, it's just not, we're not on top of each other. She can go work for the day, come out for lunch, do whatever she needs to do, but it's not as, uh, uh, it's just, I felt very, we were very confined here. So this is, this is uh, Jersey City has been, I think it's going to be great. I love the brownstone. I always wanted to live in a brownstone. And uh, my building's great. I posted yesterday that I have a Jimmy John's that delivered to me. I, after I moved up a bunch of boxes upstairs, I couldn't do anything else. And I, I called Jimmy John's, and they were there. They were there. <laughs> so you're literally moving your furniture up four flights of steps? Four flights of steps. But I, I paid a mover, man, because there's no oh, way. Right. There's no yes. way. But, but I still – I didn't – What? this is part of the story. Um, and I, what, I, I'm going to give you the quick breakdown of what happened. We had planned to have like two weeks so that we can move in slowly. We'd pay a mover to move the big stuff to, uh, to, uh, this one building in Jersey city. And, uh, it was on the second floor. So we had already mo- had movers cause we didn't want to do that. 
the building turned out not to be cool, man. There was a lot of there was some problems with it. The landlord was difficult, um, and so we both decided after we already had started the lease to cancel the lease. So I had no place to live. So that's why I was stressed out. I thought, well, now I'm going to have to stay in our apartment for almost you know at least another month, and they charge us more money because we were going to be month to month. Uh, at the last minute on, uh, I think it was Wednesday night, we went and looked at a place and we walked up to the fourth floor. We didn't even realize it was the fourth floor. We thought it was the third floor because we were just so tired of looking and uh, just disappointed in what we kept finding. And this place was great, dude. And, uh, we signed the lease the next, uh, we went through the process of getting approved for the lease. And then we were signed up by Friday, Saturday, we got keys and that worked because we already had the moving company coming on Saturday to the other place. So that's why I was so stressed. But the the movers ended up coming early. We weren't all ready for them, so we had a lot of stuff that we had to leave behind. We didn't pack our clothes and stuff yet. We so they took all the big furniture. They took all the stuff, but we had to do a bunch of loads to bring up the other stuff. But uh, all in all, the big story is uh, I'm living in Jersey City. I'm in a great building. Uh, once my uh, body recovers from walking up and down the stairs that much, it's going to be nice. I went out today. There's this place called Wonder Bagels. Fresh bagels. I got my bagel hot. Uh, put it in a bag. You went straight for the Jew food. God damn. Dude, it's right down the street. What do you, what do you want for me to do? Uh, since, <laughs> I, since I've been here, I'm going to... Ah, I went to this Mediterranean place. I've ate there like five times since we've been here. Uh, mm. And it is... It is one of the best. I, I'm, I'm so excited to be. And listen, I, I'm not going to knock uh, Harrison, which is right next to Newark. People think, think of it as the same almost because it's, it's so close. But there's nothing to do in my area. Now I have an area, and we're out, and we're pretty happy. Uh, uh, as soon as we get all moved in, we'll be good. But uh, that's what made this difficult because yesterday we were supposed to record, and uh, I forgot a piece of the equipment, and then we got behind, and so that's that's where we are today. That's where we are. So right you've now. officially been living in this new place for how long? Uh, a day and a half. Day and a half. Of course, you had your beds moved, right? Yeah, that was the first. Yeah. How long have how long have you christened the place yet? No. Have no, you got, no. So you got no no ju- ju- juice. Nowhere. No, dude. As soon as I put my head on the pillow last night, uh. I was out. I was out. And I w- have you ever like, uh, you know, like when you kind of fall asleep and you kind of jerk, you know, that move like where you, you feel like might feel like you're falling a little bit and you wake up. Yeah, that's how I felt. But I had slept for like seven hours and I, it, mm. I jumped like that. And I thought I had been asleep for like uh, 30 seconds and I woke up and I was it was the morning. I was that tired last night. So when are you gonna hit your girl up for some head? Uh, if her sister, if her brother's listening, never. But if he's not, <laughs> he's got to know by now. If he's not, yeah, but he doesn't want to hear about it. If he's not uh, uh, tomorrow, today she's still. We're still working on the place. I'm not. What's asking. her brother's name? Uh, her, her, what? What's her brother's name? I'm not gonna tell you anything about her. Her, her brother. Nah, just ask what the nigga's name is. His name is Brian. Brian! <laughs> Jew Juice is coming! Uh, uh, all right. Um, so let's get into what uh, we going to get into. Um, you you want to address this, or do you want to address any of the stuff that's been going on, though? Like, uh, we, got, we got more stuff happening. I have oh, no, I know. I, I know, but I, I, I think, honestly, between... But we have Yousef and and what we have. It's gonna take a, it's gonna take up the hour. Let's do it. We because I don't even unless you you know I know don't, I don't care re- about some extra meat. I don't really want to talk about the politics anyway. And both the conventions to me, uh, 
They're both. Yeah, I, 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 listen, dude, I didn't even see them. And I'm going to tell you again. I have the same problem. And again, I'm not a I'm not a long history political dude. Like I ain't been following politics for the last 15, 20 years. I obviously watched because of Obama. You know what I mean? Yeah. A black president. Plus he was so charismatic and great and great orator. And you just had to watch. Um, and I and I thought once he left, I was going to be back to not giving a fuck, which I really still don't give a fuck. But now we got the train wreck. So, you know, it's been between the, the, the Maybach Phantom and this piece of shit minivan. I'm in it a little bit. Uh, so I'm, but I'm saying that to say this, uh, it's hard for me to watch any of the D like I wanted to watch the DNC mainly because I wanted to hear Obama speak. I wanted to watch a little bit of the shit show that was going to be the RNC. But again, with no audience, like with basketball, I can't get into it. I didn't even know that the playoffs started in basketball and I didn't even know that the fucking Portland Trailblazers Won the first game. No. 1-0. No, I- I'm not watching none of this shit because, again, the audience. When Obama would speak and say certain things and the audience would cheer, it made me love it even more. When I watch basketball and the audience is going nuts, I'm, I'm into it. They really got cardboard cutouts of people. Yeah. It, it's pathetic. So I, I'm not watching nothing, man. No, it's a, it's. I don't even know if it's worth watching. I think we all know what the what, what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's. You're going to either vote for uh, what's best for inside of America, or you're going to vote for an economy that you think that I don't even know what's there anymore. So, uh, I, I. But here's here's. The, I do want to say this one thing because I found this out today, and I don't know if this is 100 percent true because I haven't had a chance to research it. But I'm going to tell you what I heard. Uh, there's a big fight about the mail-in ballots. You know the mail-in ballots that Trump's been saying he doesn't want the mail to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, here's what I found out today. If they do the mail-in ballots, let's say, and Trump still wins, uh, the DNC is going to question the balloting. If Trump loses, the Republicans are going to question the balloting. If you don't, if they have to do a recount, it could take months if they do that and they don't have a clear-cut, constitutionally, if they don't have a clear-cut winner, the next president would be named. Uh, his, the Speaker of the House would take over as the president until the name, until the actual person could be put in office. Listen, I don't give a fuck about none of that. That would what be I care Pelosi. About, well, I don't give, that means nothing to me. What I care about is if Trump loses... And he refuses to leave office like he is insinuated. I am waiting for the Hatfields and the McCoys, nigga, to go at it. I don't think I am waiting for the race war. That's not that wouldn't come out. It would it would Nancy Pelosi would become president. Well, no, I'm just saying, even if, if even if she is, if he loses, he says he's not going quietly. He refuses to leave. And if he is if he loses, if he has to leave, all his supporters, we're going to get our guns. It's on and popping. That's what I'm waiting on. That's not happening. I don't give a fuck about nothing else. That's not I don't even think that. I don't even think that's coming close to happening. But it's, um, it's closer than it's ever been. 
Not ever, but recent. Um, real quick, do we want to before we get into this Yousef thing? Do we want to do anything in terms of hits one on one? I was supposed to say something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hits one on one. Thanks. Uh, we've we've noticed some uh, a lot more listener support coming from uh, Hits one on one. We also want to tell you that we just released a T shirt for the podcast too. Uh, to the, yes, to the Hits one on one listeners and to our regular podcast listeners. Ten dollar, a lot of money. Tees pre orders. Andy's taking them. Hit them up at Andy Comedy. On, on Instagram. Yeah, and I'll send you a link so you can uh, order pre-order a T-shirt. We should be shipping at the end of the month. The T-shirts, I just got word, are done, and they're shipping them out to me in Jersey City. So as soon as they get there, I'm going to be sending them out. So hopefully right at the very end of the month, we'll get them out. But they're uh, 25 bucks. It's 4.95 shipping and handling. If you order three, uh, shipping's free. It's on us. So... Um, that's it. And we got some more stuff coming out. We got some more goodies coming out. Uh, and uh, Aries, you're working with someone right now to get our, our uh, a website set up for uh, Spears and Steinberg. So give us a minute. Yes, I have a social media consultant. Uh, we're really trying to figure all this out and build the brand and give it to you guys uh, on a great level. So bear with us while we are under construction, construction a little bit. Yes. Um, now let's dive right in. That's I good. asked Annie to watch this HBO documentary called Youssef Storm Over Brooklyn. And for those of you who won't, who aren't 80s babies or born in the late 70s, if you were born in the 90s, you're really not going to know what the fuck we talk about. But even still, you should go check it out. It's really worth it. But back in the 80s, uh, when racism in New York was was sweltering, particularly in the Brooklyn, uh, in the Bensonhurst area, a young teenage black boy by the name of Yusef Hawkins was shot and killed by a gang of Italians. Um, and this, I think this is kind of part of what sparked Do the Right Thing uh, with Dude, Spike Lee. I thought yeah. the other thing had already come out. It hadn't come out already? It might have already come. Well, well, but it, well, well, listen, I'm just saying that this kind of shit was going on regardless. Yeah, well before. So, so it might have been some of the inspiration behind Do the Right Thing. Because, uh, you know, I think it was East New York is where the brothers and, the, and they said the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans resided. And Bensonhurst is where all the Italians were. Right. Um, it, it was a solid. It was what the, at, at the time what was perceived as a solid Italian neighborhood. Where if you weren't Italian, you just didn't really go into that neighborhood. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you knew to stay on your side of town. And, and, and what I mean, and, and I'm also saying, if you weren't Italian, it, I, I'm not saying you know white folks just didn't didn't felt uncomfortable there, but it was really an Italian neighborhood. You went, like we don't want no fucking niggas in here. Right. The fuck are the niggas in? Uh, and what was an interesting dynamic uh, was there was the one black dude uh, who grew up in the neighborhood. And I remember the one I guess they had as they would, you know, they would interview people. There was this one brother who was part of the Nation of Islam um, and was like a I don't want to say a reverend, but a, a speaker from the Nation of Islam. And he was saying, well, you know, they always got that one nigga that they like. Uh, and this was the one black dude who grew up in the neighborhood. So it was like, yeah, we don't like niggas, but you're okay because he came up with them. Um, but he which, but he said he still experienced some uh, pushback from the neighborhood when he was out. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he did. He, and, he, and he was like, you know, you have an identity crisis because, you know, you obviously you grew up around all whites in a white neighborhood. 
you want to identify yourself as black, but this is the world you grow up in. So you don't want to be like, you know, a traitor to your own, but this is all you know. Um, and here's what happened in a nutshell. Uh, I think her name was uh, Gina something. And she basically told her ex-Italian boyfriend that during her birthday party, at least 25 black dudes was going to come up to the neighborhood and, and start some shit. And her, so boy- this- and her boyfriend was in that group, right? She said that she was saying the guy she was sleeping with now. Right, and, and, yeah, and, and, the, and the dude she was sleeping with was also black who was going to be part of that group. Um, so, of course, this brought the whole neighborhood out, all the Italian dudes, you know, the fucking Z, the, the IROC, Z, what they used to call them, them pants, them wrestling pants, oh, the Z Cavaricis. Yeah, Z Cavaricis. Yeah, but they were, I, think it was, yeah. I think it was called Z Cavaricis. Yeah. You know, everybody had the fucking moose, the, 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 the what do you call that haircut? The fucking, oh my God, it was so popular back then in the 80s. What do you call that fucking haircut? You know what I'm talking about? No. It's like the horse hair in the back. Oh, with the... Uh, cut, cut close to the side, flat top. A mullet. Mullet. Yeah. Everybody had the mullet, drove the IROC Z28s. Um, so this brought the whole neighborhood out. Now, the thing with Yusef was, Yusef and I think three of his friends... Went to Bensonhurst because one of his friends wanted to buy a used car. Only two of them went. Him and one other dude went. Right, him and one other dude. The so other two were doing something that they they were going to meet up later. Right, they were going to meet up. So they they basically just went to go buy a used car. Wrong place, wrong time. They got there, and one of the Italian kids saw them, and they thought that they were the guys when they really weren't. Um, and there's only and two was, of them, not 25 of them. There's just two guys, two black dudes. Actually, I think it was three, though. I think it was Yusef and two other dudes. It was okay, a dude maybe, that wanted to buy the car. It was Yusef, and it was another dude. Okay. So it was three of them. Oh, you, you, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And what's crazy is, like, what they would do is when you see the documentary, so they could paint the picture for you as to what happened and how it went down. They did, like, an aerial shot. So you would see the roofs of the buildings and, you know, the streets. And they would label, I think they, they were, it happened near a, a, a store called Snacks and Candy, an Italian store in yeah. the neighborhood. And, and like right around the corner is where it all went down. So they would use these dots and the blue dots represented the black dudes and the red dots represented the Italian dudes. So there was three blue dots and like 47 red dots. So once word broke out, yo, the black kids are here. All the Italian kids with bats came and basically surrounded Yusef and his friends. And one of Yusef's friends turns to him and goes, look, man, we're going to have to fight our way out of this. Obviously, we're going to take an ass whooping. But the only way out of this is to fight our way out of this. And then that's when he said four shots rang out. Yusef got shot in the chest. Later got, you know, on the way to the hospital, died. Uh, and then hysteria ensued. Um, you know, listen, first of all, the, the, I think the girl's name, Gina something. Yeah. I don't remember her last name. I, I had notes, but they're in my packed up shit. So, sorry. So, you don't have your notes with you? No, none. Okay. <laughs> um she just had that classic 80s Italian 
I'm racist hair. Like I, I just like, <laughs> even, like I, like, it again. It reminded me so much of like do the right thing and that scene in Jungle Fever when um, Annabella Shiora goes home and tells her uh, her father or tells I think she told somebody from one of her girls that she was sleeping with Wesley Snipes and it got back to her father because you know rumors and then that's when he went crazy and beat her with the belt and just you know that those Italian old school racist ideas somebody should have been able to tell Yusef and even his grandmother said it she didn't know it she but she was like if I would have knew they were going up there I would have pulled them aside and been like you don't do that no you ain't you don't fuck with that side of town uh because again what would make you think that's a good idea uh not having that been a problem before. But it always was a problem. Yeah, but obviously there was... Uh, you go on with the story, because I, I, there's, there's something I want to get to that I think is even more important than just this story. Well, no, I mean, I, 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 got, I got bullet points I wanted to hit. I just wanted to give you a chance to chime in. Okay, well, one of the things is when you were saying about the bats... Um, now they made it. I, I I liked it in the movie. They made sure that they mentioned that the, the black dude who was part of the Italian group was was one of the people giving out the bats as well. The reason, right. I, and I'm going to say why I think that's important, not because of the fight, because uh, what I really found fascinating as I'm watching this movie is there, there's a lot of details that are brought up, but then really aren't questioned, and why this is and how this happened. Like you said. Um, there's, there's something in there that was said when, when uh, those guys went to attack Yusuf and his guys, they said, are these the guys? Are these the guys? And uh, so they obviously felt it was someone else. But what was, what's really amazing about this film, get, getting away from um, the actual events of the film, what's important to me that has never been done before, that I have never noticed, is uh, you don't... I never understood how important it is when you release a film, how it affects people. And this film was told from the eyes of a black man and how he saw it and how he looked at it. And I'm not saying anything pro or negative about it. I'm just saying that all the movies prior to this, when you watch documentaries, when a white dude produces it, it has a very white slant to it. And it's never been as obvious to me how fucked up, and I don't want to use the word fucked up because it's not fucked up, uh, you, when you are white and you get your interpretation from a white-produced uh, documentary or movie, you're very much only getting part of the story uh, correct. And when you have movie after movie after movie like that, it really paints a picture of a white society only. This is the first movie that I saw where, where they, they're, when, they, when situations came up where they're going, well, could have it been this or could it It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, let's protect the white guys. This was a movie that was about a black filmmaker telling the movie, the story, the way that he, that he saw it, he viewed it, and he had the facts to prove everything that he said. And he does. There's some gray area in there, and I'm not saying it's even, it wasn't necessary to even put that into this film. I'm just impressed at how uh, the story was told from a side of a perspective that was based on a black man's perspective, and I really saw how skewed 
the movies I would have watched when I, there was details when I would have gone, if this was a white guy making this movie, would have he changed this? Would have he told something else? Would have he made an excuse for something that happened? <clears throat> like when I said, are these the guys? Are these the guys? They would have focused on that if it was a white guy putting this. Obviously, they were, were mis mistaken identity. These weren't the guys, but they thought they were the guys. That's the direction the movie would have went in if it was a white guy producing it. But, but my question at that point is, would it have even really mattered? Because again, given the climate of what that neighborhood was in terms of race, in terms of prejudice, how they felt, would it have made a difference? They even said that at one point, uh, I think, I think, I think uh, Gina's boyfriend's name was Nick something. I want to say Nick DiPaolo, but I'm thinking about the comic. Yeah. But it was Nick something. And he said to her, that he, you know, he spit in her face and called her a nigger lover because, you know, she was planning to have this party with her so-called black boyfriend coming to the neighborhood. Right. And then he, and then several of the dudes were on record during their police interviews going, so-and-so said, we don't want no niggas in our neighborhood. So whether it was actual black dudes coming to cause a ruckus or three black priests, whoever was there that night was going to catch hell. Whoever was there that night was going to get beat. Whoever was there that night was going to get killed, regardless. That's my point of it, though. If it was a white filmmaker, he would have taken that in a different... Like you said, he wouldn't have looked at the regardless. He would have shown how it was a mistaken identity. Well, here's something that was so ridiculous from the main cop who investigated the scene. He later says in the documentary, which explained this to me, he goes... Yusef Hawkins, was he killed because of the color of his skin? Yes, but he wasn't killed because Bensonhurst is a racist, uh, violent community. I, I, make that make sense. I have, it, I have that. I know I have that in my note, and I, and I, and I, I kind of understood what he was trying to say, but he didn't, it didn't come across right. One of the things— I, don't even, I can't even figure out what he was trying to say. I think he was saying he was killed because of the color of his skin, but he doesn't feel that it was... Uh, he didn't say racist. I think he said uh, because he wasn't killed because of racism. I think he... No, no, no. I, I quoted it correctly. Correctly? It's in my notes. Okay. He said, was he killed? Yusuf Hawkins was killed for the color of his skin, but it wasn't because Bensonhurst is a racist, violent community. Well... How does that make sense? Because he, here's the, uh, the other parts that are not in, in the movie that I did a little bit of research on it. Uh... There was integration that was happening in that neighborhood. There was black families that are living in that were living in that neighborhood. Now, was it the biggest uh, part of the family? No, but it was it was already happening. The other, where did you where are you getting that from? Because the only thing that they that they pointed out was the one black dude. Yeah, because that's the move. That's the movie. That's what I'm saying. There, uh, that Bensonhurst was integrating. That, uh, but the Italians in Bensonhurst, because there was other people moving to that area. But the Italians in Bensonhurst weren't letting go. The Italians are what you're looking at as the, uh, the mob. And it's, it's, you know, there's a lady in there, a white lady, who said, uh, God, let me, let, me, let me try to get, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I, I don't have it right. She goes, uh, uh, we, we, we look this way because there's not enough people coming out to, to tell the truth, to say the right thing. What, what they were saying is that all these people protesting, uh, the blacks that were marching, in Bensonhurst, she was saying that that's not the feel of the community, but the people who don't feel that way aren't coming out. So by doing that, though, you're basically 
saying that you, those are your rep, that you're letting those people <coughs> represent you. You're letting the racists represent you. So, like we've talked about, if you if you walk with racism with racists, then you're kind of a race. Then you are a racist as well. Listen, majority rules. I, I, I'm not moving to a neighborhood because I go, oh, there's a few who are who are cool. If I know the majority don't like niggas, then I don't belong there. Yeah, but the whole that whole area was was changing. It, there, it wasn't the segregate. This I'm not saying it had changed. I'm saying it was it. There was it wasn't like he was the only black dude in that neighborhood. I, I'm not going to speculate. I'm going off the film. He was the only one that they interviewed. He was the only one that was in the neighborhood. That's that's the per- speculation. No, that's the that's the perfect example of what it is. Uh, do some research and reading about it. I read about it. I read, and I don't have it in front of me, but you can look it up. There are there. It was already having people in. But this is the important part about the film. When it's t- all movies, all these documentaries that I see are based on a white perspective. And so, like you just said, I don't know anything. I'm going by the movie. That's how important movies are. That's how important this this genre is. That if you're taking your information without any other information. And, and I'm not saying this about you. White people have been doing this forever. We're getting information from a white movie, from a white producer, from a white point of view, and we're taking it as 100% hardcore fact. And that's why whites don't think there's any problem in this country. That's why white people have followed this, this, their line with the logic that you just said. The movie, I'm going to take everything that the movie said is true. The movie didn't say any lies. They just didn't bring up other, situ- other pieces of it. Okay, so I just want to go back to that point because I want to make sure that I'm understanding you or that you are articulating this to me so that I get it. So when the cop goes, he was killed for the color of his skin, but not because Bensonhurst is a racist, violent community. You don't find anything crazy about that statement? Uh, I think it's crazy because obviously there's racist, violent people or he wouldn't have been killed. But I think what he was trying to to somehow separate the two, you don't think is insane? Is I understood what he was trying to say, and it's a very white way of white explaining something. When he says he was killed because of the color of skin, he's admitting that there's that that is the reason that he was killed. But then trying to deny that that there's racism, a strong racist uh, through line in that community. Uh, is disingenuous because he's trying to say, well, that's not everybody that I know in Bensonhurst. But again, you just because you do, just because you're not that person and you're letting these other people represent you, then you are that person. If you're not coming out, if you're not speaking out, if you're not changing your community, so yes, it's it's a little. I think it's a little disingenuous to put it the way that he put it. The way that you quoted it, the way that you that you said the quote was, I I, I missed it and I don't remember it. I don't have it here with me, a hundred percent. But the way you wrote it, yeah, that's disingenuous because that's the, that's how the neighborhood felt. That's why the boys were allowed to walk around with bats in the middle of the neighborhood, and not one adult or uh, or person of character in the community said, "Put your bats away. We're not going to go bust in anybody's head." And then later in the film. Uh, which you haven't got to yet. I'll let you get to that part later in the film because there's more that comes out about who is controlling uh, these Italian kids in a way. You know, I often wonder if, uh, like, there was a piece of footage early before that where they had interviewed some Italian lady in the neighborhood and she basically said in so many words, you know, if they learn how to just behave themselves, 
then they could walk around in this neighborhood. But they don't know how to behave themselves. They're out of control. And they're basically animals. And I often wonder, and, and, and then later when, when they showed the black people marching through Bettenhurst, one of the chants from a group of the white people was Central Park, Central Park. Yeah. As though to, you know, support the idea that, yeah, we are these animals because you got niggas going around raping white women. Now, obviously, this happened way before the boys were later exonerated. But I often wonder, like that white lady that made the comment or like any of those dudes that chanted Central Park or anybody else like them that took part in, in, in those marches and those demonstrations and yelled and did some of the things they did. I know it's not likely, but I wonder if they would ever look at this documentary or if that white woman would look at this documentary and go, hey, that's me. I said that. That was back in the 80s. It's 2020. Has any of my feelings, thoughts changed? Have I progressed for the better? Do I realize what I said was wrong and insane and hypocritical? Any of those guys that chanted Central Park, if they know what we know now, do they go, wow, I made a mistake? I think that they would have. I think some people, people who have some kind of self uh, self uh, re- awareness would. But you got to understand that's that's a little also on your part. That's a little disingenuous uh, to hold people accountable for. It's not a dis- it's not disingenuous to hold them accountable for for uh, racing to judgment. But the problem with the Central Park Five is, and I, I don't know, how old were you when that happened? Uh, I've, I had to be, you know, eight, nine years old, something like that. Okay, so I don't know how aware you are that the media and was was active in giving information that was coming out that they didn't investigate. And the prosecutor, who I hold in the highest uh, fault of the Central Park Five, she kept on using bad information that wasn't correct, that didn't, co- that didn't make sense to the, them being the people who committed the, the rapes, the rape and the beating. So if, um, if, if the media is telling everybody that the story is true, how do you fault the people who were going by what they were getting from the media. Because just like you just said, you saw this video and you didn't, you didn't, you haven't done background. You're just, you're just taking the, you're, you're taking a trusted area of information and saying, okay, I believe this. That's what the, okay. But that's, but that's, but, but that's at the time. What I'm saying is right now in 2020, if any of them had watched the Yousef documentary and recalled, oh, my God, I'm looking at the footage. I was at that. That was me who yelled out Central Park. I'm the white lady. That was me who made the comment about them being animals. But knowing what I know now, having watched this documentary, having seen that it was a, a case of mistaken identity. And again, even if it wasn't. It was wrong for those kids to surround them like that, 47 to 3. It was wrong for them to threaten them and, and, and for that kid to get shot and killed. I think even – I can't go further than the killing part. Obviously, that's the worst part. I think it was wrong that the people in the neighborhood, besides the kids, let that happen. This is where, when, when, when the cop says uh, – Yeah, but Andy, 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 if you watch the documentary – it, it didn't happen during the day in broad day where everybody's outside. It happened late at night. It was a bunch of kids 
out late at night with no parents around. But okay, but what you're saying is if the neighborhood has this racist slant, okay, I think that you when you when you're out late at night, if you saw a group of fifty kids walking around with baseball bats, you wouldn't think that there's a problem. But, but kids hanging out at night on the stoop with baseball, in New York, with that's base, nothing new. With baseball bats. Okay, that's nothing new. They might be playing stickball. Who knows? And, and again, white kids have a freedom and do things that black kids don't have the same amount of rope to do. But, but you did, you're speaking against your argument. Your argument is that that neighborhood is racist, and I'm agreeing with you that the neighborhood must be if they would let kids run around with baseball bats, 50 kids. There's no baseball game at that time. There's no 50 kids needed to have baseball bats. People white are, parents, white parents don't let or not let their kids do anything. Well, their kids do what they want to do. Uh, I guess then I'm not as white as I think I am because my kids didn't get to do what they wanted to do. They did what? Okay, but, okay, okay. Then you, like the black dude in the neighborhood, is the minority, and the majority rules. I, I, I can't, I can't fight you on that one. I don't know, but. I still think that the community, I, I, I mean, obviously I blame the kids that were doing this, but I blame the community. I, I think that the community did obviously have a problem. They did obviously, uh, uh, I don't, I think that there should have been a different reaction. I think if it was today, what you're saying is I, I would take it to this level. If this happened today, I think there would be a different reaction from the community. I don't think the community would uh, turn their, uh, their heads and go, well, uh, my neighborhood doesn't, these people here don't represent my neighborhood. I think that the people would have came out in support of the black people that were marching today, if it was today. Yeah, maybe because it's a different climate altogether. Altogether. But I, I think at that time, um, I think their silence gave some like a pass to what had happened because there were some guys that said, you know, well, regardless, he should have been our neighborhood at night. So there's obviously an issue in that neighborhood. Like you said, I just, uh, to me again, when I looked at the film and we need to get to the Sammy, the bull part in this film too. But when we looked at the film, I was very interested in seeing how many times I'd let, a white bias changed the narrative of, of something I'm watching. I would let uh, a white idea slip in. Oh, it's like I said, oh, uh, it's a mistaken identity. And then use facts to try to cover up the situation. And that wasn't used in this film. It couldn't be used in this film. Well, again, I, I don't think that there's any mistake to be made from what this neighborhood was and how it represented itself. Because even when they did the marches, everything from uh, one of the guys in the picture holding up a watermelon with Al Sharpton, you're a fat son of a bitch, written on the watermelon, to another dude saying, we're not prejudiced, we just don't like black guys. Yeah, but... You know, there, there were so many examples of where you could just see the venom, but the, 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 the angry racial venom. But and, and I agree with that, but you got to also say to, to stick with the time, which was different than right now, Al Sharpton was seen as a very different person by both the by especially the white community, but also by the black community. The black community felt that he was an opportunist at the opportunist at that time. 
because he he was he was using that platform to benefit. They felt he was using that platform to benefit himself. Al Sharpton has changed incredibly. That Listen, with the, with, with the with the idea with the with with the exception of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and Medgar Evers, I think every black person that called themselves a leader was an opportunist. Jesse Jackson, especially. I, 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 do I think there was some legitimacy to their intentions? Of course. But in terms of the purity, Medgar, Malcolm, Martin, where it was straight up, I'm trying to lead my people to a better place. Those niggas don't exist anymore. And that was a different time. Um, and listen, we in the black community is, is sort of an inside joke, inside information. I think what's so hard, because I know my mother and father joked about it, what was so hard to take Al Sharpton seriously was a goddamn perm. Something about niggas with a perm. If, if, if he had had an afro, if he had had a short brush cut, but that perm and medallion and, and, and you know, the Tawana Brawley thing, coming off the heels of the Tawana, Tawana Brawley scandal, it just all felt like Al was shady. But you can't deny he was out there fighting the fight. Okay. He was out there leading the march. And here, here's the other part that I wanted to say since we, we, we're here on the Al Sharpton part. Again... Everything you said, uh, you said about Al Sharpton tomorrow broadly. Everything that came out before that happened before this, that would have been if it was a white. And I, I don't want. I'm generalizing by saying it's a white filmmaker. I shouldn't say that because not all white filmmakers maybe wouldn't do that. But again, I think that would be a focus if this was a film made ten, uh, five years ago by a white person making this film. Uh, more Al Sharpton, more of that that opportunist side would have been shown in this. I really, what I'm really trying to say is I think it's so important that black filmmakers are making these kind of films because it changes, uh, it's an honest approach to the narrative where at least I have a black viewpoint on something that happened for one of the, one of the first times. Just for the record, because I don't know, the guy that made the film, is he black? Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you, you looked that up? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, listen, I, I don't want to, because you know better than me about, you know, being white. But even if it was a white filmmaker, I, I you know, truth is truth. And if this is, this is not a, it wasn't a fictional movie, it was a documentary. So if you're going to lie, I would think that you would be exposed for blatantly lying. If it's a documentary, everything you see before you, isn't it really based in all truth? Uh, no. No. I'm going to be honest. I, I've watched documentaries. I've watched a lot. What what you do to a documentary to give to to reinforce your narrative is you you go hard on the areas that uh, that enforce the narrative that you want the film to go down, and you right. you leave out, and not necessarily even leave out, but you don't. And, and he didn't leave out on this film. He put it in. He just didn't go more into depth on it. But you put it in there, and then you kind of steer away from it, or you don't even bring it up. And that's, that's what uh, a lot of documentaries do is that because documentaries are, uh, you want an audience. So if you want an audience, who's your audience? How are you going to get them to watch the film? And then you make it, uh, you, can, you can leave, I don't want to say leave out, but you just enhance and put more detail in the way that you want the story to be told. 
I can, I can redo that story. We could remake that story, and we could give a thousand reasons uh, why it was uh, it, it was uh, it was a mistaken identity. It was uh, they thought these these boys thought it was someone else. They were they they could have, they could have tried if a, if it was a. I could see it being done that way easily. Right. Um, you know, and this is why I say that I think some of what, well, again, but if the, it doesn't matter. If the, whether the, whether do the right thing came out before Youssef or especially after Youssef, I think the sentiment still remains the same, which I think this is a testament to the brilliance of Spike Lee for pointing this out. You know, the night that the Yusef was killed, they said all the kids, and again, from the aerial map, they showed all the kids where they were hanging out near the school, which near was, which was near the basketball court, sitting on bleachers. And he said, yeah, they were doing what kids do. Yeah, we're all sitting around. We got the boom boxes. We're listening to music. We're hanging out. And I just can't help but go again to that scene from Do the Right Thing. When Spike Lee asked um, John Turturro's character, hey, who's your favorite basketball player? Who's your favorite uh, singer? Who's your favorite, you know, comedian? And they're all, all black people. Again, dude, everything is nigga this, nigga that. But all your favorite so-called people are niggas. I'm just going for as much as these Italian dudes say nigga this, nigga that. If they got boom boxes, I don't, I don't, I don't see them just listening to fucking Bon Jovi or, or Eddie Van Halen, they got to be listening to some Run DMC. They got to be listening to some early stages of hip-hop. How the fuck can you be that ingrained in black culture and black music, but then hate black people so much? I, I mean, We addressed this uh, on a podcast where I said, I think it really has to do with... Uh, and I, I haven't got any pushback on this, so I don't know... Uh, if, if you follow the history of slavery, there's a lot of blacks that were in Italy, and there's a, especially in the southern part of Italy, and a lot of those those uh, Italians have any have mixed blood, where it's black and Italian blood, which is why I think that they're so uh, sensitive about anything that has to do with being black because I think that there's there's a lot of black people in Italy. There's a lot of dark skin in Italy and it came from blacks. I, 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 I go ahead. It just it just, I I just love how colorful. Like again, they talked about I forget the specific name they use, but this is what I did love about growing up in New York and New Jersey. Cause I remember every summer they would have that festival. And I, matter of fact, I forget, I, I want to say, I don't know how many years ago it was. I was in New York. I totally forgot that the festival was going to take place. And it's always on a Sunday. And I remember I left my hotel room right there at the Manhattan on, on, on in, uh, near Times Square. And I walked out of my, my hotel room, unbeknownst to me. And they do the thing where they shut the whole fucking place down there's a long strip of uh of of Times square that's completely shut down no cars no nothing and on both the left side of the, of the street and the right side of the street it's like an italian festival they just got all the fucking food 
the sausage, the sausage, the cannolis, and 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 uh, you know they're selling merchandise, music, and it's one of the best times I ever had growing up in New York and New Jersey because, dude, you can't get a sausage and peppers on a fucking hoagie roll nowhere better cooked in by the Italians in Jersey and New York. I could just, I could literally smell it now, the fucking sausage on the grill. And it's like, you know, again, blacks and Italians, we're so cut from the same cloth in terms of being colorful, vibrant, the way we talk, the way we, we, we do our kids, you know, the way we physically discipline. That I just go, for the life of us, why the fuck can't we get along? We're so much the same in so many ways. Um, and I remember the one Italian guy, how he was talking, he was like, uh, look, we only let him come true here once. How many times are we going to let him come true? Look, you want to come true, you just keep it low, you keep it nice, forget about it. Like, he was so dismissive of the murder of a 16-year-old kid. You know, you, we let him come true once. True. Not through. True. We let him come true once. You want to come true here, you come true here. But you keep it quiet, you keep it nice, don't make a big deal, forget about it. Um, and he's like, dude, I like Italians. I just wish they liked us too. I I, I think that it's 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 a weird dynamic between the two uh, because there is a lot of similarities, and that's why I say what I what I said about Italians and blacks in Italy. I think this is where I think it's where it comes from. Italy was also one of the first people uh, the first people to make the strongest stance against slavery is because there were so many uh, Italians and blacks integrated into who they were. Right. Um, both of those happened in 89, by the way. Uh, August 89 was uh, when, when this took place. Uh, I don't know what month uh, Do the Right Thing came out, but obviously Do the Right Thing had to be filmed before this happened because you, you, can't, you don't film it in 10 days. Well, right. that's not true. Well, he was an independent filmmaker uh, at the time, and he was doing quicker films, so he could have... I don't, I don't think he could... It was August. I don't think he could have got it out and, and out into the market in time, so I think it had to be filmed before. The fucking niggas, they keep coming back here. You know they're coming. You can smell them from a mile away. The fucking chicken grease and the cocoa butter. You can smell them down on fucking 148th Street. By the time they get fucking here, it's like, it's a fucking black museum. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I fucking love it. I love it. But what, but what do you think about the guy, when you watch the guy in that, uh, the guy who, was the, who, who went to jail for the murder? Joey Farmer. Do you, did you, didn't it feel... When he was talking about it, like, like almost like he was uh, talking to the FBI, like how he would say, I didn't do it. Like, it took me a second to even realize he was in jail. Yeah, because he doesn't, it's not set up that way to look yeah, like that. Uh, but yeah, listen, man, he got convicted. He went to jail, uh, which, you know, listen, back in the 80s, anytime we get a conviction, that in and of itself is a, is a surprise and a victory. To think that all of those guys were going to go to jail, no. We're lucky we got the one, Well, and it was the shooter. That was the biggest part, though. They, they said that the guy who instigated putting the riot together, the, the mob together, should have also... I, yeah. I think and I think that was Nick. I think that was Nick, Gina's boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Right. Um, when you watch the black dude talk about... What, what, as a black dude, what's your feelings when you're watching him go through his... You know, how it happened, what he did, 
How do you... You talking about the one black guy in the neighborhood? Yeah. How do you... Do you, do you look at him as a black guy or do you see him kind of as a, as a white... Listen, I, 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 I feel for his dilemma. You know, you, 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 he didn't have a choice where he grew up. His parents put him there. Um, I feel for his dilemma. I, I, it, it would have been nice if he would have said, right before shit got crazy, I jumped in front of Yousef and his boys and tried to plead for them, hey, guys, don't do this. Let them go. Because in order for them to get to Yousef or his friends... They would have obviously had to hurt me. Would they have hurt him? Who knows? But if they if they looked at him as like the one guy who they went, you know what? We like him. It at least gives him cause for pause. It gives him something to think about. But I'm also going, how realistic is that? That a kid from the neighborhood considered his neighborhood, his friends, is going to go against the grain. Well, in, in, in that... Because he he was saying that this is his neighborhood, okay? So, do you do you find don't you think the Gina, the girlfriend, to say a story that she has twenty five black dudes coming over here to start trouble to to you know to kick at to, basically to start a riot themselves? You don't think that she had any culpability in putting in in her boy in her ex boyfriend and everything putting this together to make them, you know? Because listen, I'm, that that's that's old hat, man. That's how all of it starts, is a white woman saying, a black guy did this, a black guy's involvement with me. And the recipe for black man, white woman always leads to catastrophe. Well, see, I'd go a step further because you said black man, white woman. Here's the truth, though. Uh, In in the history of the world, wars are fought for two reasons. Uh, Pussy. Pussy and money. For land, property, but that's still money. That's still value. That's the only two reasons people fight, even before uh, going back in a time when we don't, we don't have to make it a black-white issue, going all the way back. That's, that's what wars are from. So I, I just, I felt like she, I, I'm not saying that she should. What do you feel like? She should have, she out of some form of guilt, stepped up to the plate and did something? No, she should, she's the one I felt was just as responsible. She didn't have to go on trial like her boyfriend did. She, she was the one who instigated her boyfriend to get the mob together in the first place. Everybody's saying that he should go to jail because he got the mob together. She, she knew who her boyfriend was. She instigated that. She put that together as well. Women get away with some shit, too, is what I guess I'm trying to say here. Yeah, that's old hat, too. <laughs> um. And listen, I'm pretty much done with this. I got one other thing to say, and I want to say this, you know, not because I don't want to get into a big discussion about it because we've discussed it enough. But again, I, I couldn't help. But when watching this, you know, Al Sharpton did the thing with, you know, him and their father, Moses, and the mother and the cousins and everybody in the community where they all locked arms and bowed their heads and they prayed. And I just go, black people, when are we going to wake up? When are we going to get it? Like, you know, like, come on, man. At some point, we, you don't see, we don't see the ridiculousness in this. Dear Father, our Lord, we ask you that to protect Yusef, we should have did a better job of protecting him. Please look out for him in the afterlife. Well, if God is everything we say he is, 
Why he couldn't look out for him at the moment? Why he couldn't help the gun jam? Why couldn't the cops come around the corner? Whoop, whoop. At the right time. Why somebody from the old neighborhood didn't open their window and yell out, no niggas in here, and allow a diversion for them to run away? Why the black dude didn't jump in front of them, like I said, and, and try to squash it? That's why I'm just going, okay, it, it wasn't a piece of shit drug dealer that got shot. It was a 16-year-old kid, no criminal record, never did anything wrong, head on his shoulders, good guy. At what point, black people, do we wake up and start to question some of this? And like, they cut to the scene in the church with Farrakhan. Niggas love a good sermon. We always have. We're rhythmic. We love a good rhythm. The black dude, did you see when Farrakhan is preaching, he's smiling like he's looking at a fucking strip show. The, the, the black lady they cut to who's clapping vigorously. All the black chants. That's right. Preach. Uh-huh. Yeah. We love a good fucking show. At what point do we not stop and go, something just don't make sense? We keep, we've been praying for 400 years. We've been praying since the 60s. We done prayed through the 70s. We done prayed through the 80s, 90s. We praying now. We've been praying since we've been on our knees forever. And this shit still keeps happening. Even the latest footage of the dude out of Wisconsin walks to the car, shot seven times, 11 times in the back in front of his kids. Now is paralyzed from the waist down. What are we going to do? Pray. Let's pray. Did you see the video? Wake up, man. Did you see the video of that, by the way? Yeah, I haven't seen it because, like I said, I've seriously been moving. I read it. I thought, yeah. And the only thing I'll say is this, and by no means, please know, I will never side with the popo. But I'll say this: knowing what we know about the police, knowing that they look for any reason to take us out, from the video footage I saw, I would just go if I could say to the black dude. Why are you walking away from the cops when they're telling you to stop? Why are you giving your back to them? Why are you going into your car with your car door open? Reaching into your car. You are a black man. Now, we all know you can obey the cops a thousand percent and they'll still smoke you. So I'm not saying in any way that this is this black dude's fault. But again, why are you not listening? Don't give them the reason. If they tell you, put your hands up, put your motherfucking hands up. If they tell you, get on your knees, get on your stomach, lay flat, do all of that. But you certainly walking away while they're telling you what to do, opening your car door, reaching in your car, whether you're going in to sit down or whatever, you've opened your door and you're now making a motion into a place where they can't fucking see what you're doing. Why are you giving yourself a better chance of being shot? Say the last part again, though. You're not condoning what they did. I'm not in any way saying the cops, because that sounds like some shit white folks would say. Yeah, that's why. Well, if you just would listen, if you just obey, that's why I said we obey and still get smoked. Right. I'm just saying 
why quadruple down on your chances? You saw uh, Hughley's post where he said uh, that that post, that meme, uh, that uh, shoot uh, white shoot white like school shooters or white yeah have a better chance of survival yeah than a black man yeah so uh, but I just I don't know man and I'm, I mean hey I, I you know God knock on wood I hope I don't have to experience some life shifting life changing traumatic dramatic fucking moment to make me go oh there is a God uh, because as much as I say this a part of me still wants I'm like a kid who doesn't want to let go of the idea of Santa Claus and Christmas I want to believe but I just keep looking at everything going something's not adding up why do we keep praying and we the prayingest most prayingest motherfuckers on the planet and the shit still keeps happening I don't want to get into a deep religious debate that just wanted to say that all right so I know you want to move on from that. So what did you think about the Sammy the the Bull Gravano's uh, involvement where he he's saying that they had to turn in the kid because the kid was hey man bad for business right that's I what love it, it that's what it was bad right? for business shows you shows you how to hurt people economically hit the pockets if the Italians is giving up Italians it's fucking kid he's hurting the fucking business here we got to fuck or give him up. He's hurting the Spengoli. We're not doing the same numbers. I love it. Give him up. Yeah, he give him to the niggas. Give him to the niggas. It, he, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't an approved uh, beating over there and then a killing. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I guess it, that's, that's just the way that it works. But, yeah, I, I really, again, going back to what uh, the movie meant to me, it was important, and I felt a difference. I could see a difference between what I'm used to handed in a, in a documentary and what a black filmmaker can do with the movie to really put, shed some perspective. Because when I talk about facts and, 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 and bending the narrative, I don't mean bending it into a lie. I mean giving plausible deniability, giving outs for people. That's, it, it was good to see it where the white dude wasn't given the out. It was good to see a movie where you actually saw how a black person felt about a black person being killed it's instead of a white person doing that movie and giving black people how they should feel about the black person being killed. That, that, that's my point. I think that that's more succinct, and I'm saying it correctly that way. I, I saw it from the black community's eyes, and that's, that's important because it's, it, that's how it happened. Right. So... Um, because I'm not just I'm not disputing any of the facts that we saw. That's that's not the case. I'm saying th- there's there's a lot there's a lot of story, and it depends on how well, you approach it. Go ahead. What's amazing now is how everything has been reversed. If you go to Harlem now, a lot of it's white. If you go to Bensonhurst, a lot of it's black. Yeah. So somewhere in there, there's been a shift. Um. But but what is it? Okay, what's your feeling though on on segregation? Because. Like, like you said, traveling is the best thing because you get to see how everything works and you get to see people in different habitats doing different things. And I think uh, the, the facts that a lot of times blacks and whites don't get along is because they don't understand each other. And, and, right. and, and, the, and, the, and to understand what that really means to a race, a, a racism is and understanding systematic racism is that whites don't have to understand blacks. 
they really don't because they can always you can there's enough white people they can get everything that they need through white people blacks don't have that same advantage so what what i'm saying is is you gotta you gotta understand cultures if we want to grow as a society but isn't there some benefits when you grow up in a black neighborhood with your with in a way that you have an understanding of like, like I'm, I'm not trying to throw that one black dude under the bus in this, but understanding who you are, how you fit in, what, what makes this country uh, that you're not out there with, with not understanding how this country works. Uh, and not that it should be working that way, but at least having the backup and the protection of people that you are comfortable with letting you understand what's happening. Listen, at the end of the day, if you don't know, you don't know. So, you know, if you've if you've never tasted uh, your own culture, uh, then you don't know it. So therefore, you don't think you're missing anything. That's you know, you don't realize till at some point in your life that that's not that's not normal. Like to you, that's not abnormal. Your normal is, hey, I grew up in this white neighborhood with all these white friends. And there's nothing crazy about that until you eventually get to an age where life will remind you society will point out to you hey something don't something don't smell right here you know i i identify in in a lot of similarities with that with what was the black guy's name i'm sorry the the, the was which his, black guy in the white in who lived in Benson. oh i don't i don't remember his name um i identify that in a way of being hispanic but growing up in a in a white neighborhood and being and working in a white neighborhood and, and not really having the cultural ties as much to the Hispanic side. And, but what's different and what I, what I would find really difficult if I was black is I work through this world pretty much as a white guy. But if you're black and you work through this world without that, that has to be difficult. Because you're reminded, you're reminded that by everybody. You're reminded by white people that you're black. And then you're reminded by black people that you're, you look black, but you run in a completely different crowd. Right. I don't know how you, I don't know how you, you can do that. Listen, I think at the end of the day, you should always be, there's not, and I've said this before, I don't think that there's anything wrong in having pride in who you are ethnically. You know, you should be proud to be whoever you are. You should have a strong foot in, in, in who you are as a person, who you are as a people, your history, that's all beautiful. But once you've got that down and once you know that, by all means, explore other cultures. By all means, listen to other people. By all means, embrace other shit because it's fun yeah. and it's great. I, listen, I, I, if I had lived in East New York, in Brooklyn, you know, uh, Brownsville, whatever the black area was, as much as I would have enjoyed that, I would have loved been, to have been able to go to the to the fucking Italian neighborhood and get a slice, get an Italian icy, you know, hang around some of them Italians. That would have been a great experience. But, you know, again, at that time, it was don't you dare. You knew where the battle lines were. You know what side of town your ass didn't belong. But it would have been great to do that because the little bit of mixture I had you know, there was a I, there was a white kid around the corner from my apartment building named Vinny. And I remember I, I recorded this the last time I went back to New York and I actually walked 
to my old apartment building and I posted this. He used to live up on, on the fifth floor and every day we'd want to play. I would. It was like a Spike Lee movie. I would stand at the bottom of the fucking steps and go, yo, Vinny. And Vinny would open his window and go, what's going on? Let's fucking play. All right, I'll be down. Give me a second. It was just of a, 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 that energy, man, that different energy. If, he, if Vinny was busy and his father would come to the window, you got to stop fucking yelling, kid. Every fucking day you come in with the fucking yelling. <laughs> Vinny's busy right now. I'll tell him, yeah, 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 I'll tell him you're here. We fucking hear you through the fucking bathroom. You know, I, that, that, I don't even think I would have been the comic I've been able to be if it wasn't for that. You know, hanging around at Dominicans, playing fucking cards and dominoes. Hey, no problem, man, no problem. Hey, we'll let you do the baseball and the Yankees, man. Hey, hey, blah, 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 blah. That, all that shit, it made me, man. I love it. Hey. I fucking love it. See, now I agree with that, but now let's, let, let, I, and I know we're at our hour, but let's flip this around a little bit. So there used to be, you know, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Negro Leagues, the, the Black Baseball Negro Leagues. And then they integrated, the Jackie Robinson came over. Now there's talk where, like, why, why don't we have our own sports teams? Black, black folks have their own sports teams. So where is this, like, where is the balance in integration and segregation. Is there a balance? Does there need to be a balance? I mean, when you say balance, you mean in terms of being able to have both? I mean, I just think it's funny because if you pull all black players out of football, basketball especially, and baseball, uh, and when I say black players, I mean black, not not Dominic, and not not saying anything about anybody. Just not Dominicans. Not uh, it really affects basketball more so than any other sport. There's a lot of uh, Cubans, Dominican. There's a lot of different uh, ethnicities in baseball, but in football also it would affect it dramatically. You could almost have your own leagues and make the white leagues. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't want to do that. Okay, I think you need both. I think you need integration. But I think there ain't nothing wrong with a little segregation. I, I know who, ain't nothing wrong with that. I, I, I get to your roots of who you are. Amount yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, let's get to some fun stuff. Okay. So Andy and I, I, I gave this to him. It was a one of those mojo.coms. It was the top 10 superhero movie scenes everyone watches. Uh, over and over and over again. Um, was, Buckaroo, was Buckaroo Banzai in that? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number 10, Logan. Uh, the scene where he dies and the daughter has that tearful moment with him just before she buries him. Right. Your thoughts? Man, See, I'm, I was a huge Wolverine fan as a kid, and the idea that he dies makes sense, you know, because the, you know, the, the structure. Did it happen in the comic books? No, not that I, not, not where I left off. I don't know what's happened since. Oh, Neri, Neri would know the answer N- to Neri that, would but go ahead. Uh, I, uh, I found it disappointing. Like, I, it was sad, and I really got caught up in the moment, but that was a human moment. These are superheroes. I don't want my superhero to, to rust out and die. Um, I thought the movie itself was fantastic. Yes. Uh, 
I love the fact that they finally, and I don't, I, I got to stick to what the content is, but I love the fact that they finally showed Logan be as violent as he was in the comic books. In other words, when you use the blades, I want to see him go through a skull. Yeah. I want to see blood. Prior to that, it felt like all the X-Men movies was Disney. We got to finally see the adult version of Logan. But to that scene, I cried and still cry like a baby. Do you watch it, though? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if it's because it's just a kid thing, because I know you got two boys. So I guess if you have a kid, yeah, it touches you. But if you got a daughter, especially a little badass like she was. And what I loved about that little girl was she was such a badass. The fact that she was speaking Spanish the whole time until she revealed she could speak English. And she was such a hard ass that to see her finally submit, like, this is my dad. And she's crying, don't die. Dude, I, I, I fucking, I mean, I got the tear driblets coming off the tip of my nose. Uh, and then to fucking end it with turning the cross on the grave to the X. Oh, it fucking like a fucking baby. You didn't you didn't you didn't see that coming? The turning the cross to an X? I did not. Yeah. I did not. Uh that exchange gets me every time, dude. I, I like the movie. I, I just I was just uh, and I guess that that's 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 the interesting part about Logan is that he actually ages. He actually you know, just I just didn't see that as my when I go back to my childhood Wolverine character, I don't see that happening, and that's why it was disappointing to me that he died. I was more caught up in him dying than I think the relationship that he had and was passing on to someone that he didn't really know. That was the part that kind of threw me off a little bit too. He doesn't know her. He knows that it's his genetic uh, makeup, but he didn't know her. No, and 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 and, and the fact that he was fighting it. Yeah, like her throughout the whole movie till the end. Upon his deathbed, he accepted it. Uh, I just thought it was really touching in terms of a father, 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 daughter moment. And and listen, again, when I when people go, what's making it in Hollywood? And I go, dude, when you can turn down scripts, you've made it. When you can go, you know, I'm done playing this character. I'm done. To have that kind of choice is making it. I selfishly was hoping that as they were showing the grave scene, once the kids had all left, <laughs> just one piece of metal came up through the rocks. Uh, but we know it's the end because Hugh Jackman was just tired of playing the character. What would have been cool is they would have incorporated where the, the hand, the, the spikes come out, and right. he becomes Freddy Krueger. No, that would have been cheesy. That would have been horrible. <laughs> that would have been fucking horrible. Um, number nine. Um, and I didn't see this movie. Dr. Manhattan's Transformation and Watchmen. You know what? I, I, I got to be honest. I didn't see it either. Okay. So, number eight. Yeah. Um, the leap from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse cartoon did you see that cartoon yeah i'm not really a cartoon dude like i used to be and i only reason why i checked this out is because nary was bragging on it so much and again if y'all don't know in our episode flow rider which i think was uh episode 97 nary signs 
comedian who used to open up for me, uh, Hispanic dude. He is a he is a comic book cartoon superhero fanatic. Um, does the Comic Con shit and all of that. Uh, he was telling me about it, and I watched it, and I liked it. But again, I'm not a cartoon fanatic, so I don't know that it had as much gravitas, if I'm saying that right, on me the way it does everybody else. I didn't connect with it because it's a cartoon, but it was good. It was a really good cartoon. So it was entertaining. Yeah. It just didn't blow your socks off. You know, and I'm disappointed by that because I I have this moment in my head, and it's making me feel like I I, I lost. And I know I lost something, and I know that there's a difference between being in a – there's a there's a sadness between being a, a kid and an adult because as I was sitting on a kid when I was a little kid and I was I'd get up to watch Saturday morning cartoons and my dad would always sleep in the living room I don't know why but he was always fall asleep in the living room on Friday night probably hammered and then he would fall asleep there and I'd want to come out to turn on the TV and boys and girls who are listening to this just so that you understand back in the day in the olden times if you had a, if you had a TV it was in the living room. And it was one TV in the house. It wasn't multiple televisions in everybody's room. Right. And so I would go in there and I'd put the, oh, turn on the TV and listen to it really loud. And my dad would get really mad at me because I'd want to catch the first cartoon, 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. And I remember sitting there one day after he was yelling at me about waking him up in the TVs. I said, I just want to, I want to remember how much I love cartoons and never forget to continue to love cartoons and to always love cartoons. And I remember, I remember this conversation with myself and I don't know where it was in my life, probably after pussy, but somewhere after pussy, you, you, you let that go. And it's sad because there was such a moment of like, when I watch a cartoon, I want to get myself back to that place. And I can't get there. Right. I can't get there. You, try, you find yourself trying to force yourself? Yeah, to find that that spirit in me that that lets everything... It's gone. Go. It's gone. It's gone. I thought you were going to go in the direction of your father in the TV where you would change the channel and he'd wake up and go, I'm watching that. that. I was watching that. My, I was <laughs> resting my eyes. I was resting right. my eyes. <laughs> right. And right. That, that's what we do That that later in the day when the baseball games were on because Saturday was baseball, Sunday was football. But right. baseball, if I came out there to change a baseball game, that's when right. he, he'd immediately go, I was just resting my eyes. Put that back. That's funny. Um, number seven. Oh, I love this one. The elevator fight in Captain America. Uh, what, what was the name of the movie? The, the fucking Winter Soldier. Winter Dude, that has to be one of the most badass kick-ass. And what's crazy is I was recently watching, like I, I recently subscribed to Disney Plus and uh, I was watching a documentary on Marvel um, and they were talking about how of all the Marvel movies, the most complicated ones to make were the Thor and Captain America. Specifically, and when they said Cap- Captain America, only the first one because they felt like, what do we do with this boring guy? Yeah, he's American. He's the American way. All he has is the shield. Where do we go with this? Now, I'll admit, of all the Captain Americas, the first one is the hardest for me to get through. Um, but after that, dude, Winter Soldier and Civil War is the best apology to the first one. <laughs> that scene in the elevator when he says, when he looks around and you, they they zoom in on the trickle of sweat coming down from the one guy and he senses the moment and he goes before we get started 
if there's anybody that wants out now, say so. Then that fucking fight all taking place in a phone booth. And when it's over, how he fucking, with his foot, stomps on the shield and it jumps back on his wrist. If you weren't a diehard I, uh, a Captain America fan before that, that sold you. Dude, when I watched that, uh, I, I, I was like, I was in my seat, like just stood up, sitting up because it was an intense scene. And at first I thought, oh, it's a comic book. Oh, does anybody want out? Very standard cliche kind of like. Right. And then the fight. Dude, and then looking back at it, the reason I'll watch that a thousand times is I'll try to figure out how they fucking filmed that in that yeah. that space. That's right. And I, obviously they filmed it in a different space than just a regular elevator. But to get those scenes and you felt like you were in the elevator. That's oh, fucking- dude, that that was intense, man. That's why I say like like I've said of all the Marvel movies and the Marvel characters, the hardest movies for me to watch are the Thor movies because it gets into that whole Asgard and. Lord and you know Zloki, you know it's and it's like a, I feel geekish. Um, but you know I, I, that that first Captain America, I must have slept on that, like literally fell asleep three times trying to watch that fucking whole movie, and finally I just muscled my way through it one day. But after fucking Winter Soldier and that elevator scene, I said I like Cap now. Now I give a shit about Cap. That was amazing, man. Um, but I I don't know if this is coming up. Yeah, it might be coming up. But did you did you get emotional when when uh, Captain when Cap can pick up the uh, Thor's hammer? Did you? I didn't get a. I got emotional. Yes, 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 yes. That, that that moment to me when we were talking about Captain America, that moment to to to, to get to that point where. You saw him drag it a little bit at one point, but then when he picks it up, you're like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, there was something like, I don't know what it was, but there was a moment where I connected with that. Oh, well, actually, they mentioned that. Well, not that moment, but we'll, we'll get okay, to it. Okay. And let me, let me just say, and folks, since you know what we're talking about, you got to know what the number one moment is. Because even while I was watching this, before they got to the number one moment, I went, it's got to be. That. Yeah. But here's, here's one that wasn't on the list but was an honorable mention. Dude, the warehouse fight scene and Batman versus Superman. I, only because I didn't see the Watchmen, I would replace the Watchmen with that. But I think that scene is way worthy of something better than a nine. Dude, again, prior to Batman versus Superman, or actually before that, the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan series. Yeah. Batman Begins, Dark yeah. Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Batman had been hokey, campy, family film for the kids, little goofy. This was the first time we got the adult Batman, the darkness. All the goofy shit was gone. That warehouse fight scene, the way that's choreographed, I swear to Christ, dude. I thought from that, even before that scene, I went, yo, to me, Ben Affleck is the best Batman of all the Batmans. That solidified it for me. My problem with that is uh, that that's where he's wearing the uh, like the, the, the armored Batman suit, right? The bulky gray suit. Because that reminds I me. I love that. Dude, that's Iron Man. How? Because it's that suit. 
It's the suit. He's both both nah. both Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne are regular people. Both with money. Both conceivably. Well, they, 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 they ain't regular people. They, they're billionaires. Okay, but they both have a suit. That suit is is no is like the Iron Man suit. No, not even close. The Iron Man suit is a manufactured suit with gadgets, bombs, guns. Can go into outer space. Can go under the water. Batman's suit is a suit that you know. And listen, it's it's bulky because you think he's muscular like that. But it ain't nothing there. You can't compare comparing the Batman suit to the Iron Man suit is like comparing fucking apples to hand grenades. Not his regular suit. I'm talking about the the iron with the, the mask and the whole thing to protect himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's no way. You know what's really funny about this is that we just said that Nary was the geeky one about comics, and we're having an argument over Listen. imaginary billionaire suits. <laughs> If Nary was in on this, dude, we would he would put us to shame. He would put us to shame. He would have graphs and charts and fucking markers and pens. He would know um, what what bullets that can withstand on exactly. Suit. Yeah. Um. Number six, the scene where Christian Bale as Batman and Batman begins goes, "I'm Batman." It was the warehouse scene where he's uh, snatching up all the criminals yeah. out of nowhere. And then he grabs the one dude and he goes, I'm Batman. Again, incredible at that time because it was finally a break from all the kitty shit. Yeah. Um, but we talked again, about think, this before. Yeah, we, yes, we did. Yeah. About the, I'm Christian Burrow, which again, I thought was great. Because it was like, oh, finally a way to go. No one can know that I'm not Bruce Wayne simply because of the costume. My voice is different. Right. But again, looking back on it now, it sounds hokey. My whole thing, again, if you notice, I don't know what it is, but it's something about both Christian Bale and uh, what's that actress's name with the red hair? She played uh, the love interest, love interest in the... Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's Gwen Stacy. She played Gwen Stacy, I think. It's something about Christian Bale and Emma Stone. Oh, Emma Stone. Don't they look like when they talk, they got retainers in their mouths? <laughs> There's a retainer look and feel. I wish y'all could see my face so I could do it with my tongue. Like if you put, when you talk, if you almost push your tongue against the front, the back of your front face, Something about when they talk. I'm like, what is in your mouth? Dude, what's funny is I've never been able to figure out what it is about her that is weird to me when I watch her speak. That's right. it. That's it. That's what it I'm is. I'm telling you, she looks like she has a retainer in her mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that I'm Batman. Where is he? But that Batman... Uh, yeah, I, I give it. I give it its props. Like in the moment when we, like you said, when we first saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." But then we talked about that on the podcast. So we, it didn't age well. We went back and looked at it, and nah, it just it felt it felt a little contrived. I guess I don't know. Which which again is even why well, I said even more reason why I like Ben Affleck's Batman the best because they finally found a way to do it without the hokiness yes. of yeah. Where is that voice contraption was perfect. Um. Number five. Okay, now here's, okay. 
number five from Wonder Woman. You saw Wonder Woman? Yeah. Remember the scene, No Man's Land? Yeah. When she finally yes. has that dramatic moment as Wonder Woman and she walks through to the other side of all the people shooting the guns and shit. I listen, folks. I've said this on this <laughs> podcast numerous times. Uh, I'm, I'm admitting, I'm admitting, I'm a little chauvinistic. Um, and this is, I remember when the preview for Wonder Woman came out. Me and Neri were working together in Sacramento. We were at this little pub right next door to the hotel. He showed me the preview. Of course, his dick was hard. He jizzed all over himself because that's just Neri. I went, yeah, it looked cool. I'm going to go see it because I didn't want to be the dickhead. Like we talk about with stand-up, there's always that one guy in the audience who's just that guy. You just won't laugh. Nothing we do is funny to you. I didn't want to be that guy. So I went, man, let me go see this shit. I saw it. I remember I told Neri, yo, I saw Wonder Woman. Yo, it was amazing. <sighs> I've tried to watch it recently a few times. I didn't like it. And it wasn't amazing. I just didn't want to be that guy. And I look at that moment, Wonder Woman, a, a, a movie about a, a, a female superhero directed by Patty Jenkins, a woman. Now that's got the same connotation as Black Panther, a movie about a black superhero directed by Ryan Coogler, a black If you're a woman, you're supposed to like Wonder Woman for all those reasons. The same way I'm supposed to like Black Panther for all those reasons. I just... Ah, that moment. That's what I would replace with the warehouse fight scene. I just, I just, I'm a dude. I'm a dude. Fuck, I look like getting excited about Wonder Woman. Dude, I like Wonder Woman. I thought it was good. Not to mention that I grew up, um, like I said, older than you. So I grew up in the 70s with the Wonder Woman. And the incre- we had the Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman. I did too. Yeah, and... You know, that was hokey to me where she spun around and then she was wearing her her uh, Wonder Woman outfit. Now, I, I prefer that. I still like Linda Carter as Wonder Woman better. Uh, but that's a whole that's a different conversation. But I thought that scene where she goes out now where it's a little hokey is if there's 100 guys or 1,000 people on the other side of that line, that means 1,000 bullets, not just blocking one or two at a time. That's a lot more bullets coming right. at you. Uh, but I still thought they did it well. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie overall. I thought she. I thought she did a great job. That scene when they're fighting inside the inside the room with the the. Uh, I forgot where is where she uh, she flies up and then she gets in the battle in the in in that tight quarters area. I thought it was good, man. I enjoy. I enjoyed. It. I thought she did a good job. Uh, yeah. I'll watch. Look, it. you look how you look. Look, you 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 lost steam. No, I'll watch. I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch it if it comes on. Yeah. No, but I did like it. I'll watch it if it comes on. If I'm if I'm watching TV, I won't change it. If it comes, let me on. tell you something. Me liking Wonder Woman or choosing Wonder Woman is like me going to the barbecue, and when I get there, I find out all the steaks, chicken, hot links, and ribs have been eaten, and I'm reduced to a hot dog. Yeah, I'm going to still eat it. Yeah, it's still barbecue. But it ain't the other meats. Dude, I'll go along with your analogy, but I'll do it like this. If I get there and everything's there, 
and I'll go, let me get a little this, a little that, a little that. Let me, let, let me try a little bit of that Wonder Woman. <laughs> Not even the whole hot dog. A piece. Yeah, let me try a little of that Wonder Woman. Yeah. I mean, I, I th- there was, there's parts of the movie that I liked. I, I, I thought it was good. And I think, I think that there's a lot of room to continue to make those, those movies. I, 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 thought, I, I liked Wonder Woman. I thought it, 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 it has a purpose. Number four, Robert Downey Jr. at the end of Iron Man going, I am Iron Man. I don't know how that's a scene that blows you away, uh, but I do agree with what they said. I thought it was cool that it was the one of the few times you've ever seen a, a superhero admit to his power, whereas they always play the traditional, hey, this is my... This is my uh, secret identity versus I'm the hero. I like the fact that Tony Stark owned up to that's me. God damn it. That's it's a dick hard moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's it's the narcissism like this girl. This I'm not about to denounce all this free pussy because I don't want to claim the costume. Well, and it was like the that was the woman that he had slept with, the the reporter that he had. Yeah. And she was like, do you mean to say he goes? And he, he was like, fuck it. No, I'm not going to let this this chick call me out. And yeah, so that was it. Yeah, no, it was a dick hard moment. I, I I don't know that that's I don't live for that moment. But every time it comes on, I mean, I get that. Yeah, that that moment you want to just tell the world, fucking suck my dick. I am that. Yeah, yes, yes. There's a power in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not just this billionaire uh, mogul. I'm I'm a fucking superhero. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, I like that. Um Okay, here's where really Oh, okay, wait. We're down to the last the last three. Number 3, the circle shot from the Avengers, from the Avengers. When they dun dun da-da, when they do the circle cam and reveal the Hulk, Iron Man, Black Widow, uh, uh, uh Hawkeye, Iron Man, Thor, all of them cap at the same time. It, it it was a little too much for me. It felt like a video game. I know people love that moment. I just felt like it was very video game esque. I get the moment. I get, I get the power of the moment. I think it would have just been great. And I know back then they couldn't do it because they didn't have the licensing. The only thing missing to me from that shot was Spider Man coming in from the top of the screen, upside down, clung to his web. But you know, in the way you that would have been the icing yeah. on the cake. If they could have done the camera scene where it was from the perspective of Spider-Man, where like it spun around, like he's on his web and he's spinning around all of them, and then he lands, and seeing see all of them. But then you see him, him in that shot. shot. Oh, so so you see through his eyes them first. Yeah, and then, and then you see him come then, down. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, then I can. But it just felt very, you know, like when you're playing a video game and they bring up the characters. Boom, 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 boom. Right. Right. That's that's just kind of, and it it was a moment. It was that moment where everybody's like, "Wow!" But right, I don't like things that are so contrived. I like them a little bit more raw. Got you. Um, here's what here's I love this one. Uh, Um, number two, Batman interrogation scene in the Dark Knight. Uh, remember when uh. He's where is she? Yeah. And and Joker tells him 
he has to make a choice between saving her or Harvey Dent. Yeah, of course I'm going to tell you. Right. I'm going to say this, yo. Fuck that scene. But within that same scene, here's what should have wanted for me. And this is a testament to Heath Ledger as a performer. This is why he kicked ass as Joker. There's the scene where he's sitting in the interrogation room and the cop who's guarding the door watching him. He decides to taunt the cop because if he can get the cop to fuck with him, he can do what he needs to do, which cuts to the later scene where the guy has the cell phone embedded in his chest, which is the bomb. So he says to the cop, um, or the cop basically says to him, uh, do you know how many of my, of my, of my friends you've killed? Uh, and he goes six and Heath Ledger does, he says six, but you can't hear it, but he mouths it. And then he goes on to go, you know, when you kill someone, I always use a knife over a gun because with a gun, you can't harness all the little emotions of the moment. And with a knife in those times of pain, people tell you who they really are. So in a way, I knew your friends better than you. You want to know which one of them were cowards? Which prompts the cop to go, motherfucker, and take off his jacket and whoop his ass. Heath Ledger, that delivery, that scene, the way he delivered that, those lines, you know, Harness all the little flavors. And then he goes, you know, they show you who they really are. It, it's it's swarmy. It's asshole. It's creepy. It's dickhead. It's 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 everything in one moment. Fucking amazing, dude. Uh, yeah, that scene. Yeah, that's a better scene. That's, you know what I mean? Like the, the back and forth between him and that Batman, Batman hitting them. Where, where are they? And, and Joker, okay, but that moment, man, because Joker, uh, Joker, Heath made you want to beat his ass. When he said that, you want to know one, which one of them are cowards? I tormented him with a knife. You were supposed to want to whoop his ass. Um, but the the, the I, I think this is scary for me to say out loud. How how true is what he said though? The Joker. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That detail. If somebody told you, think about this. Think, oh, look, look, your kids. What if some sadistic, deranged motherfucker told you, I ain't shoot your kid. I used a knife because I can harness all the savor, all the little emotions. In that moment of pain, people show you who they really are. They're scared. They're dying. They probably shit and piss themselves. They're praying to God that never comes. You want to know how they reacted? You supposed to kill a motherfucker, dude. That, that's I don't I don't know if you ever remember. Did you ever see that movie Eye for an Eye with Sally Field uh, and Donald uh, Kiefer Sutherland about he played the ex-con who rapes. Sally Field's daughter. He's a delivery man. He comes to the house and when she answers the door, you didn't see, oh my God, Eddie, you gotta see this movie. It's called Eye for an Eye. And here's the scene. Sally Field is driving home from work and she's stuck in LA traffic. While she's on the phone with her daughter, the delivery man comes to deliver, you know, the groceries. He lets, he gets his way into the house 
and she could hear her daughter being beaten and raped by this dude and killed on the phone. She's going crazy. So cut to they arrest him. They're in court because of a technicality. Keep the Sutherland's character gets let off and he stutters. So as he's leaving the courtroom, he turns to Sally and Ed Harris is in the movie. Fucking Ed Harris is amazing. Great fucking movie. As he's walking out past Ed Harris and Sally Field, who are clearly distraught, he goes, sorry. Like, dude, that's it. That's the Joker moment. So sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to see that movie, man. I'm gonna. I'll go check it out. Joe Mantegna, great character actor, plays the cop who who can't nail him down, and it's and and it's called Eye for an Eye because eventually what happens is Sally Field sets it up for Kiefer's character to come back to her house to rape her, and that's when she gets her revenge. That was fucking great. I have to watch this. Yeah. Um, okay. Here we go. The number one moment. I'm going to let you take a stab at it, Andy. What is it? Well, it has to be. Is it, It's Black Panther. Isn't it? You could not be more wrong. Okay. So it's like you went, to the, you went to that barbecue and said, fuck the hot dog. You saw all the meats and picked the coleslaw. So you think, so then if it's not that one, it has to be your heads in the box. Not superhero movies. Oh, superhero movies. That's right. No, I don't know. What is it? Oh my god! Dun 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 Cap on your left. Avengers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Endgame. Assemble. Come on, man. That is the everybody's cocks out. Jizz on your own stomach. Sold out theater moment. Yeah, again, it's one of those big cap. It's what we've been waiting for. It's the the the, the it's the payback. Thanos. It's our turn now. We're all back. Everybody's here. The band's back together. The gang's all here. He lifted the hammer. Avengers assemble. Yeah, I get wood. <laughs> it's a great That's scene. It. it is a great scene. I'll go along with it. It's a great scene. Uh, so I think that's it, man. Yeah. Uh, so we're not on the road again, I don't think, until Indiana- Indianapolis in September. Uh, which is the second to last week of September. Yeah, at Helium. In, yeah. In, in Indy. In Indianapolis. Um. And you can get your T-shirts at uh, Andy Comedy on Instagram. Go uh, uh, direct message me. Uh, No, you can get, yeah, direct message me. You can get it on that. Or you can get our masks. There's a link in my bio. Uh, You can get our new uh, Spears and Steinberg masks. Since you need to wear a mask, because people would wear their masks, regardless of their uh, political affiliation, maybe everything wouldn't be shut down if you could just wear... Dude, I'm gonna be honest with you. I really, I really wish they would shut the country down again. And this time, let's just get it right because this is making no sense. From what I've seen on the news, Dr. Fauci said that the fall is going to be worse than what we've experienced thus far. 
and that we won't have, despite what Trump said, we probably realistically won't have a vaccine until the end of 2021, which means really 2022. So for a whole fucking year, we got to keep doing this. Well, what I heard, too, it's not even the. The, the focus isn't even trying to get to the cure because that is going to take a long time. The focus is, is trying to get medicines to, com, to beat the virus so that you can survive it, to survive the virus, not beat, not eliminate. Yeah, either one sounds good. Yeah, well, no. Uh, yeah, one, one would be better. What you want, the lobster? What you want, the lobster or the crab? I'll, I'll take a little of the Wonder Woman. There you go. <laughs> there it is. All right, y'all. Uh, Pac, uh, uh, email episode tomorrow, tomorrow. Thursday. Uh, same thing on Friday. We'll have something for you on uh, not Friday. Uh, the following week we'll have something for you Wednesday. Uh, followed by the last email podcast on Thursday. All right, there it is. That's a wrap. Can you feel it, baby?